What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain, and joining me, as always, Christian Nambu. Thank you so much for making this podcast your first go-to for NBA coverage. Remember, we are free and available on all platforms, and if you're listening on Spotify, give us that five-star review, give us a follow, you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to our channel, give us a like, give us a comment. Do what you can to make help us grow and keep providing that top list content that you all love so much. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the Hachimura trade to the Lakers. What sort of impact can that have? Can they now go on a run with the current roster now that AD is back? We're going to be discussing the best of the rest in the Eastern Conference. I think we all know the Celtics are number one, but what can the pretenders to their coronation do? How can they... Make the the Celtics sweat just a little bit. But before that, we're going to start off with something fun. Myself and Chris are going to draft teams, but only using centers. We're talking all-time centers, but we got to draft a starting five. Point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and a center. Which centers can actually uh, rotate? Who could play different positions? Going to find out here. I'm being nice. I'm giving Chris the first pick in the draft. Chris, let me have it. Who's your guy? This before we start, this is such a paradox to all the talk we have about positionless basketball, forcing me to pick all centers and then making me assign them positions. This is this is a this is a pre-triggering uh conversation before we have to pick all NBA teams and such. And mm-hmm. the the center position is so hard to pick just for all stars, all NBA. So I guess we get to list everyone. But this is interesting because we have to go all time. So people gotta know the history. You gotta you got to know who to go for. And this is going to upset a lot of people who love the classics, love the greats. But if I'm picking a playmaker, I need a guy to build around. I need someone I'm going to put the ball in his hands and he's going to make the right plays for not just himself, but everybody. I'm sorry, but based on last episode, I got to go with Nikola Jokic. He's my point guard. He's going to be my lead player on this team. He might not be the best player, but he's my core guy. I'm going Jokic. I have no regrets. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. When you're talking point guard, a center to play point guard, it absolutely has to be Jokic. He was going to be my number one pick too if you did if you let him go. He's the obvious choice for point guard. But for me, I'm going to start with my point guard too, and I'm just going to keep it real simple. I'm going to take Will Chamberlain. Obviously, never got to see him play, but the dude could do everything. The dude, we still don't know for for, for real if he was an alien, if he actually even existed. <laughs> the things that Will Chamberlain did, he he led the league in assists on multiple occasions. He could do it all. I'm going to trust him to be able to to play the point guard position for my team. And then I'm going to be his backcourt partner. I'm going to go with David whoa, Robinson. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are, are we doing a snake draft of two people? I get the double. You got what? first pick. I get the double. Oh, man. Guys, make sure if you were ever playing a game with Ronan, check the fine print because that's that's crazy. All right. Man, I laid it out all right. you, My shooting guard, <laughs> David David Robinson legendary San Antonio Spur. This was a guy that started off as a superstar, won league MVP, defensive player of the year. He then won two titles as kind of the, the two-piece to, to Tim Duncan, but he was an absolute freak of an athlete. He could run the court with the best of them, and I, I believe that he's, he's a good fit in, in, in the backcourt of my team. Okay, so now Jokic is staring at uh, Will Chamberlain. That, that should be an interesting defensive matchup, but it doesn't matter because offense is going to win. I am going to go with Shaq. Give me Shaq. 
Give me Shaq. He's going to be, if you have Jokic from the perimeter, you got Shaq inside. I don't think there's a single center on this list that you could pull up who's going to defend Shaq. Wilt's not doing it. I don't think. And but fun fact, if if you don't believe that Will Chamberlain's an alien, look up the videos about like what he other things he did besides basketball. He beat Arnold Schwarzenegger in a in a lifting contest. I think it was a, a bench press contest. He had, he had like a he did a strongman contest where he like picked up a car or something. Like he's insane. But do I get a back to back? You do. I do get a back to back. Okay. All right. So it comes back, back around. All right. So I got Jokic. I got Shaq in the post. Where's and Shaq I think playing for you, Shaq, Shaq, Shaq playing your center or playing power forward? I, I believe in positionless basketball, Ronan. But if if you're forcing me to say, I'm, I'm gonna put him at the uh, the center position. Okay. And I'm putting Dirk at the wing. Give me Dirk Nowitzki as my third pick. I'm Offense getting, is picking I'm, up. I'm gonna let you take Dirk as a center. I think he's a bit more of a four, but I I suppose I'll let you take he, Dirk. He, he uh, listen. He played a lot of minutes at the five. Played okay. a lot of minutes at the five. You, you got him in at, at your four. Is that what you're going with? He's he's my four three. He's my wing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And now I'm going. I'm going double again, and then we'll both do our last pick. Okay. You go. You good with that? You all right <laughs> yes, with that? I, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. All right, so I think uh, my center is going to have to be the greatest winner of all time, Bill Russell. Mr. Russell himself. I mean, the probably the, the best rebounder ever, maybe outside of Wilt. He's right up there. He averaged 22 and a half re- rebounds for his, uh, for his career. Just ridiculous. He's not going to hog the ball too much, which is great. He's just going to be there for defense and for rebounding. And I think that's... A pretty good mix when I've got uh, guys like Will Chamberlain and Dave Robinson when they got a guy that's just going to be there to do the, to do the dog work. And then at the... F- hmm, who am I going to go with here? This is, it, gets, it gets tough now, but I think for my small forward, I'm going to take Joel Embiid just to give me that little bit of versatility. He's not the, the, the greatest uh, three-point shooter or anything by any means, but I need a, I need a little bit of versatility, so I'm gonna take a Embiid at my at my small forward. Embiid, your small forward. Putting we got Embiid and we got Jokic in an all time draft here, showing our age a little bit. But uh, modern day yeah, that, game, they need that, you know. <laughs> I wasn't sure you were gonna pick if you're gonna go with with Russell or with like Olajuwon or or Matumbo just to get a, a defensive guy in there. But yeah, rest in peace, Bill Russell, one of the greatest players of all time. Um, if you're going with Embiid at the wing, you know, I got to keep the floor spaced. I'm focusing in on offense here. Jokic knows what to do with the ball. He's going to get the ball to Shaq in the post. But if we need to run some team offense, we need some shooters. And why not the greatest three-point shooting center of all time in Carl Anthony Towns? <laughs> Let me, that's my, that's my one uh, weird pick here. Is he one of the greatest centers of all time? No, but you're forcing my hand here. I, I need a shooter. And I need a good shooter. And I get another pick, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tim Duncan. Do, do I am I allowed to pick Tim Duncan? No way you're not having Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan's he not play- a center. No <laughs> way is Tim Duncan a center. Box. Get out of okay. here. Okay. Oh my all right. We need we needed all right. We need a little more fine print. He did play minutes at, as a center plenty of times. Very often. What, position what, what was think, what you think what Tim position? Duncan, what position do you think? 
Well, what position did he play with Matt Bonner's on the floor? Answer the what five. I just said. What what do you what position do you think of when you think of Tim Duncan? Um, a big. Power He's forward. a big. Powerful. He's a big. Oh, position positionless basketball. This will be an obsolete podcast by a few years, even though most of our podcasts are obsolete within twenty four hours. All right, if you're, if you're forcing me to, can I can I pick Kareem? Obviously, I can pick Kareem. Give me the give me the skyhook. If you if you're not gonna give me Tim Duncan, give me give me the skyhook. Give me Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, greatest scorer of all time. And I think that's a wrap. I think that's a wrap. I don't I don't know how you're gonna defend this team. Well, it, it is gonna be tough for me. I I think I have no choice but to go with Hakeem the Dream. I think athletically he can he can. He could have played multiple positions on the floor. He's known for being one of the greatest uh, centers of all time. Two-time finals MVP. One of the greatest defenders ever. He's got the athleticism, I think, to to match up with anyone anyone on your team. I, 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 and anyone on, on any team. I, I love his game. I, I wish I was alive when he was in his prime to be actually able to watch him play more I'm, I'm having to deal with old games and old highlights but Hakeem was a guy that could have played in any era of basketball and I think he can he can really help my team when uh, when it's needed in the defensive side of it against your offensive driven uh, outfit I, th- I think it's funny when we when we're drafting these guys obviously back then you don't have the you don't have some of the skills that some of the players have today which is you know, extending their shot beyond the arc and um, handling the ball a lot from the perimeter. But, I mean, if they were around today, no doubt these guys would be doing the same things that Joel Embiid's doing. I think that the fact is is that these guys are empowered to do so. But hands down, I got the best passer of all time. I got the best three-point shooter of all time. I got the most dominant interior scorer of all time and the best scorer of all time. I, I don't know. This this seems like a wrap to me, but we'll we'll let uh we'll let social media decide if we post these out which team is gonna win a a game of twenty one or whatever. I I might not be able to stop you, but you definitely can't stop my shooting. Who, who who's gonna get the most stopped? I think that's the that's the the main question. And when you have Dirk and you got Cat too, I think you might have that bit of, bit of perimeter edge. But then if I've got my boy Russell getting me those defensive rebounds. Hakeem getting me those stops, and Wilt just being a complete and total superhero. I think, I think we, I think we got a shot here, guys. Let us know in the comments who do you think drafted the better team? Who do you think uh, would succeed the most in the modern day? That's that would be a very, uh, a very in- interesting question. But uh, now we'll get down to the to the serious stuff. Main news of the week. Rui Hachimura traded to the Lakers. The Lakers just love taking taking dudes from the Washington Wizards. It's a it's, it's a like the AAA team. Them. <laughs> they don't need they don't need a G League team. They literally have one. It's in the Eastern Conference, and their name is the Washington Wizards. They just sent down Kuzma for a bit. Maybe he'll come back eventually. What what do we think? What do we think about this move? This was a bit of a bit of a surprise move. It's not really someone that people were thinking of more so in the fact that people were thinking the Lakers had to make a huge big splash. They still could try to do that, but they've gone for, they've gone smaller here, but it it, it feels like a, a low key good move at the, at this time. Yeah. It, I think the surprising thing as well, 
is that Hachimura's value seemed to be a little bit inflated. It seemed like he was going to be going for a first round pick, um, which I, I think to begin with, like so many of these news that we see out there, for instance, Fred Van Vliet is going for three first round picks, Scotty Barnes, three first round picks off. Like their values are being constantly inflated just so that the price goes up. But the fact that Hachimura went for just three seconds and Hendrick Nunn, I thought that was that was a pretty good bargain deal for a guy who I think has potential to continue to improve as a player and definitely will benefit being alongside the best players he's ever played with in his life. LeBron, who's still playing at a prime level, and AD, who's hopefully going to come back healthy. I think the question that we have to talk about, though, is how he fits. Because I think from a from a business standpoint, in terms of like what it took to get him, this is a pretty good deal. Like They didn't have to get off a lot, and I think Hachimura's definitely got some value. Yeah, I think that's a, that's definitely where everyone has to be in agreement. The fact that they basically they 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 gave up Kendrick Nunn, who was uh, wasn't really doing it for them. He wasn't offering much. He's had injury issues while he was a Laker. Obviously, Hachimura's had those issues in Washington as well. But they basically traded in a, a five a five point five per game scoring guard for a guy who could become. Uh, like a 10 point per game potentially decent shooter that they they desperately need i think that what they've had to give up is uh they've definitely made the good deal now it's just how is he gonna fit is he a starter or is he a bench guy for this lakers unit uh that a lot of that's gonna come down to how much they they don't mind sacrificing defensively because or how much how well he plays defensively because Hachimura's true position is at the four that's where he's most comfortable and defensively I think that's where you can you can do a lot with his I mean he's six eight seven seven foot plus wingspan like he's a big guy doesn't always play big but with his size I mean he plays really well there so if you're playing him at the three I think the only concern that we have is the defense does it look better with the Lakers maybe but I think he has not always been great off ball um, and to expect him to keep up with some of the, the more talented perimeter uh, offensive minded players we have in this league consistently on a championship on a team with championship aspirations like that, that could be a difficult place to put him on the defensive end of the ball that I think that's where I just have the most concern. Um, so the Lakers have been successful through defense and through um, being a stout defensive team that's how they've gotten their wins it's not through being incredibly talented offensively but the nights where they've looked good is where they look locked in on defense and can Hachimura do that at a position that he's not naturally meant to play at yeah so what what do you think the lineup looks like uh say with Hachimura as a starter what's what's the Lakers lineup what's the five there with Hachimura in there obviously LeBron AD Thinking Schroeder, Schroeder at the point guard position, and then who else is staying in there? I think, you know, it's it would be nice to see Lonnie Walker still there. I think he's quietly still been a really good um, scorer from the perimeter. It's not been a consistent shooter, but I think he and Schroeder would be a good pairing there in the backcourt. Having Hachimura at the three, LeBron at the four, and AD at the five. That's so, probably one of your best lineups. Could could Hachimura not play the four and LeBron play the three? No, no. What, what? I I we have we haven't seen LeBron play consistent defense as a 
as a wing defender in like five years. We're not going to start now. I, I think it's it'd be what you'd get. The best you'd get out of Hachimura would probably be better than what we'd consistently get out of LeBron. And plus, the thing is, like LeBron is doing such amazing things on the offensive end of the floor, and I think he's still good enough to play a more off-ball defender role that you don't want to take away from that. He's already so gassed from the amount of minutes he's playing. Like you got to save him somehow. Yeah. 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 No, that, that, that's fair. So I think the, obviously he came out, he came out the bench for his, uh, for his debut in the win against the, the Spurs last night. I also saw the return of AD, which was huge. He looked comfortable. He mm-hmm. had, had his four. I think it's the fact that he had four blocks is, is a big thing. So he's still, yeah. he's yeah. able to move the field. He's still, he's feeling comfortable uh, putting pressure on, on, uh, Oh, the injury. So that that's that was the the main big plus, and obviously that was him coming off the bench. So you think they they'll probably put him in as a starter, but he'll still be on restricted minutes for the next the next few games. But it's it's a positive to see that he he looked good throughout and was and was comfortable uh, was comfortable playing on that. So you think maybe the start is have Hashimura coming off the bench and see what he can offer defensively. If he can show that he can do enough defensively, maybe then you look to to push him into the into the starting lineup. I think that's the way the Lakers are going to play it and the way that they should. The question now is they're two games off of the playoffs at the moment. Is the roster at the moment good enough to make the playoffs, do you think? Well I mean that that begs the question of AD's health. And that's that's always the the line that's going to be towed for the front office is you know kind of assessing the market and being patient and if they're healthy they're good and it's true but again we've already discussed that that's not something we can necessarily rely on so they still need more they need players to take the pressure off um, I don't I don't think that this is it I think that this is a sign that they're going to continue to make moves. You've seen that they've uh, that they've been reaching out to the Spurs. You've seen some potential rumors about um, them reaching out to the Raptors. And this is not a tight-lipped organization. I think things get leaked because they're actually making calls, and that's a good thing. I think there's actual movement for them trying to to make a realistic move here. But the thing is, is the the wording that front office uses is a little bit sketchy. When they say they're not going to make a move unless it makes them a championship um, contender or favorite, a championship favorite rather, there's no move out there. They're not going to make that move. That that move does not exist. I think this is the right kind of move because you get a guy like Hachimura, you're taking a chance on a guy who could really outplay the value of what you sent out for him because you don't have a lot of assets. You don't have a lot to send out. But Hachimura's is like a, a band-aid on a massively hemorrhaging, almost dead person. Like they they need more than Hachimura. I think he does a lot to help with spacing the floor. Um, but let's even talk about that. Let's, let's talk about his offense a little bit. Because I I think there's a bit of nuance to understand his game and how it'll impact the Lakers. Because I think we so often just think about can he shoot, can he shoot, can he shoot? And the answer is Kind of. It's not, he's not like the exact type of spot up knockdown three point shooter. He's 33% spot ups this year, down from last year, which was, uh, he had a career high. Um, 
But I, I think one thing to keep in mind is that he is really good in the mid-range in attacking closeouts. He's very good with his ball fake. He's very good at getting to his spots uh, in the mid-range. He's shooting 50% on pull-ups. Uh, so I think for a guy who's going to have a lot of open looks, he might not shoot the three very well, but he does really well to, to attack closeouts. And he's going to have opportunities to do that. But it'll be interesting to see if that is going to fit with a team that doesn't have the best spacing already. Teams are still going to be letting him shoot. They're still going to let him fire away from three. But maybe he gets maybe he gets better with that with more consistent minutes in a different scenario. You know, that that could change. He did look better last year from three, but that's not something that you're going to expect from him right away. Yeah, I don't think that's so that's obviously that that's kind of the potential there. That's that's probably something the Lakers were definitely looking at when they when they went to make the move. But I think obviously we'll see he could thrive in the in the major actually saying that he is in a role where he's coming off the bench more. He might not playing as many minutes alongside AD and, and LeBron. He might be playing with with Russ and the two of them kind of have that sort of game where they're they're playing in the mid-range. And then when he's on the floor with LeBron and AD, that's when you'll see him out on the perimeter and shooting the three more. And he's going to get open more open looks. He's going to get better looks playing on this Laker team than he did playing mm-hmm. in the Washington team. So I think especially over the next kind of month or so or maybe even the next couple of weeks just ahead of the deadline they'll be trying to work that and seeing what what he can do and seeing if there's a another move that needs to be made or if his shooting can can kind of show enough to be able to believe that he can do enough to that they don't have to make another kind of similar move I'm not saying they he's the answer they don't have to make a blockbuster move which they still probably do need to do which is not there but they might not need another Hachimura type within the team if he can if he can show all the the qualities in the next couple of weeks. Not not constantly he doesn't have to be the best player, but just show enough to to show the Lakers that they they got a good they got a good guy and they they got a good deal. Yeah, I think one thing that that Hachimura does as well on this team is um, when you think about what they are so good at in their first championship run is size. I mean, they were very imposing. And when Kuzma won that championship with them, I mean, having him at the three at times, especially defensively, um, which Kuzma did not get enough credit for how good he was defensively, but his big body, the rebounding, running the floor, you know, attacking switches. I think Rui could embody that. And I think Rui's a better defender than he's shown. And he's a big body. He's like, in terms of, Body comparisons that he got, like he had the same kind of like frame as Kawhi, like a really big, long-armed player. And especially he's got that stocky build, like he'll be able to really fight for boards. And that's something that the Lakers could get back to, that physical style of basketball. If he can use his body, if he can improve on defense. And I think a lot of things will simplify for him as well. Uh, I don't, I don't think that things will get harder for him on a team where all he has to do is focus on his defense and focus on knocking down shots. Like he doesn't have to worry about the playmaking and any of that sort of burden. Like he was really focused on with the Wizards. I think a lot of people looked at how he didn't create a lot and he was a little bit too much of a tunnel vision type of player. But that gets simplified when you play in a team with LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So final, final word on it. 
does Hashimura find a home in LA? I think I think so. I think that they they need to act like a small market team right now with the lack of assets that they have, and they got a guy that they can invest in. And I don't think he'll be that expensive comes to the uh this offseason. I think they'll resign him. And then do the Lakers still make another move before the deadline? Not do they need to, do they make one? Yeah, I think Russ Russ will be gone. Russ will be gone by the deadline. And imagine a a Gary Trent Fred Van Vliet kind of trade. Interesting. Interesting. All right, that's definitely a very interesting one. I like, I like, I like the way you're thinking there. But let's let's scoot on over to the to the Eastern Conference. Boston Celtics are dominating there. The right up there, definitely the best team in the East. Maybe the best team in basketball. But as you mentioned earlier, the, this week they uh, they lost back to back games for the first time all season. Testament to how good they've been. This year, but also showing that maybe there is room for the other teams in the East to put together a run and make the Celtics sweat a little bit. The main contenders, obviously, Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn. Maybe you could show the Cavs in there, but they still feel like uh, they're they're just a little bit outside. Who do you think? are the most likely to challenge the Celtics at the number one seed in the East? Uh, I think the easy answer is the Bucs, and we already know why. So we'll, we'll definitely talk about them. Um, but I think the the one answer that has surprised me the most that I don't think enough people have paid attention to, which is fascinating to me, is the Nets. The team that we paid the most attention to for all the wrong reasons over the past couple of years, for very good reasons, should be talked about right now. They... they Ever since Vaughn took over, uh, this might be updated by a couple of days now, but they are 27 and 12. They still have 13 a, now after the 13 after now, Philly, yeah, Philly loss, that. but yeah, still impressive. But 27 and 13 since Vaughn took over. And I think that has everything to do with their defensive identity. I like my jaw is on the floor. I mean, I know they've been playing better defensively, but since that time, if you look at the best defensive rating in the league, just looking from the point Vaughn took over to maybe the day before the Philly loss. There's second in the league in defensive rating. In the league. The Brooklyn Nets, the team that, you know, probably maybe if Ben Simmons, like a defensive player of the year, they'll be like, okay, defensively it'll help. No, like as a team. And I think the craziest thing about that is how good Durant has been defensively and Claxton. Got to give that guy a shout out. I mean, their defense has just been terrific. Yeah, no, absolutely. And even to put it even more broadly than that, they had the 19th best defense of record last year. They're seventh this year. Obviously, they've been on a great run on a Jack Vaughn. That that they were they were leaky as as anything in the uh, in the first uh, what was it five five six games of season four. Nash got dismissed, and obviously. KD going down for the last six, seven games has also has also hurt them. But to think that they've made that big jump without Ben Simmons coming back as the same defender that he was in Philadelphia, yeah. and with KD really stepping up on that end, with Nick Nick Claxton really stepping up on that end, it hasn't just been uh 
Ben Simmons is coming in playing great defense, kind of paving over the cracks a little bit. It's been a commitment from everyone, and the best part is you're seeing it from the the main name in the team. Yeah, and it, and it bothers me that that you look at Ben Simmons and you compare him and Royce O'Neal. They're both like ranking out in uh, uh, DRPM, like as really good defenders, elite defenders. But then it annoys me to say that because Ben Simmons should not be a really good defender. Should be one of the best defenders in the league. But when you just take away that context, they have two guys in Simmons and Royce O'Neal who are playing at their position, elite defense. And then Claxton, who's ranking out right now um, as an all-defense caliber player. Yeah. I mean, he, he is legitimately making a massive difference on a team that is surging on a team that is looking to actually be a legitimate championship caliber team right now and who didn't have a defense last year. So I think they really are a risk for um, a team like the Celtics, especially when you have Kevin Durant on your team, when you have Kyrie Irving on your team, you got two guys who have been proven successful players in the playoffs. And you have now a team that is willing to be a good defensive team. And they haven't really even hit their stride offensively yet. I mean, their, their shooters have been inconsistent this year. And that's what I thought was going to drag them along is their prolific shooting. But it's been their defense, which is a pleasant surprise. Hey, their shooting is ain't half bad. They're second, their second field goal percentage and, and second in three point percentage. So the the shooting is still uh, is still is still working for them. And it's always going to be like that when uh, your two lead guys are Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And then of course Curry, Seth Curry is coming in and showing his unbelievable value for this team. The fact he's averaging 10 points a game and shooting 42% from three. That's all you need. That's exactly why you brought bring Seth Curry into your team to provide yeah. elite three-point shooting and solid scoring coming off the bench. That's a great plus for them. Harris is kind of, he's getting back into it a bit more. He's still only averaging about eight points per game and on about on about 40% just below it but you think he could he could get up to the, the where where Seth Curry is and then they have two elite knockdown shooters outside of two of the best scorers and shooters in the entire league and then you think how the hell can any defense go toe to toe with this team yeah and i think you know obviously the percentage the percentage is there and it's a team effort you you got guys like Yuta shooting well, um, which, I mean, he's had a tremendous year. Um, but 11 points a game for Seth Curry, I thought he'd make a little bit better of an impact and in a year where, like, they really needed, like, a third guy. The, the way he played with the ball in his hands with Philly, I thought he would have a better place here. Um, Royce O'Neal's shooting better, but, again, it's on low volume. Um, and you look at Joe Harris – He's only averaging eight points a game. I mean, that's a guy you gave a lot of money to to shoot a lot more. Mm-hmm. So when the attempt, like the percentage is definitely there, the shooters are efficient, but you'd love to see a little bit more production from one of them. So it, it's always by committee, and it that's that's a good sign for this team that you know someone's going to step up. But when the playoffs come, there needs to be a clear guy, and one guy that I've I've been waiting to to see if if he might step up while Durant is gone is TJ Warren. He's a guy that had a really, really, really big moment um, in the bubble. And he looked like he was coming into his own 
And he's got a chance now that he's getting health and he's getting to the rotation. He's getting more minutes that maybe he's going to be able to show something. Um, and that's, that's someone to keep an eye on um, offensively as Duran is probably going to be out until after the all-star break. And he has a position here too you know, maybe show that he belongs in this rotation and he could contribute to playoff run. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's why they they have him here. He was kind of a forgotten guy, but also the the memories are still there. People remember what he did in the bubble. People remember why why the Nets the Nets brought him in. But he just need, I think he just needs time. I think you can only really judge it maybe when we get around to maybe the end of February, start of March. That's when you really start to think. He's had enough time out there. It's time to kind of see him show show that he he can get back to somewhere close to the level that he was at before before the injury. One of the most disappointing guys for me for the Nets is I'm not going to say Ben Ben Simmons. Don't worry, it's uh, <laughs> Patty Patty Mills. Uh, he's only averaging five five point five points per game this year. He was double that last year, and he was a real spark plug for this team whenever he played last year. He's not getting the same minutes. He's not obviously getting the same opportunities, but you have to think that that's a bit on him as well and his overall form. It's not just a choice of the coach because when he's playing at his best, you think he can be a guy that can be a spark plug scorer. He can be a guy that can shoot 40% from three. He can be a guy that can be in the conversation for six man of the year, but the Nets are just getting none of that out of Patty Mills this year. I think... Probably if you looked at uh, a minutes perspective, like why he's has way less minutes, I, I think Yuta is a good answer for that. Yeah. If you if you look at the lineups they put out there, I, I think you'd rather have Yuta out there who's shown to be an effective shooter. And this guy just flies around the court. Defensively, he's always there. On the break, he's always there. Rebounding, he's always there. And Patty Mills... I mean, he's just not at the point in his career where he can really make any impact on defense. Mm-hmm. And that's something that this team is clearly valued. So I think it's it's almost been to their their benefit that he's not been there because, you know, the shooting is going to be inconsistent at times. And if you what you really need on this team is guys like Yuta, guys who are going to commit to team defense, guys who are going to commit to playing hard. And, you know, good, good on Yuta. Good on, good on him, and I think a, a guy that I'm disappointed in, but not maybe not really because it, it's been a constant theme is is Cam Thomas if, if he's going to play yeah. the NBA game, and he's still a young player. He's still only 21 years old, but he's not taking a step in the right direction this season, and who knows if he will. But um, what they what the rest of this team has shown though has been very impressive. Yeah, for sure. And you get you get KD back healthy. Obviously, the word is this week that he's recovering well. He look he obviously is saying that he wants to be back playing as soon as possible. He wants to play the all-star game. If they can talk to him and maybe just convince him just to just to sit it out. I know he's had to sit out enough uh, enough in his time that he's just like, no, I want to play. And you love to see that. But maybe on the whole, it'd be better if they just give him that extra bit of rest rather than allowing him to 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 play in in the all-star game or even before even if they don't don't even bring him back before and let him play the all-star game i don't know if that's the right way to go with it it's kind of a it's a difficult enough situation but they get him back healthy and what the rest of this team is doing they've got Kyrie Irving 
playing like Kyrie Irving in this year, not having the obviously had to deal with issues earlier in the season, not to the same extent of, of last year. Kyrie Irving is still crazy as hell, but the dude can freaking hoop. The dude is a baller, and you think the Celtics annihilated the Nets last season in the playoffs. They made Kevin Durant look like an average player. But the way that the Nets have turned around this year, the form that Kevin Durant is in, you have to think that they, if they go toe-to-toe in a series again, it'll be at least six or seven games. We'll see. I mean, they were really close games. That they were. They, I don't think it speaks to like how close those matchups were. Uh, and I think it, it really... It went downhill pretty quickly in that series for them to have lost so badly. But I, I think the problem will continue to be if they can deal with Kevin Durant getting beat one on one, because that was that was the thing is that Kevin Durant could be defended one on one at times, and that was something that you hadn't seen before. And Jason Tatum did an amazing job. Al Horford did an amazing job, um, and that that'll be that'll be another thing to watch. Uh, the playoffs, but how we move on to uh, the Bucks here? I think this is the shorter conversation because I, I think the, the Bucks the, the still... team the team that did take Celtics to seven yeah. games last year. The, the I think the Bucks look fine. I'm not worried about the Bucks at all. I, I think that it's it's good to be a slightly uninteresting team uh, when you're this good because nothing's incredibly wrong with this team. The shooting has been, I think, overblown. They're not efficient from three right now, but they're getting the attempts. They're getting the the mix. They're, they're at least creating the shots. And I think it's Chris Middleton being gone is a major part of that. But how have you felt about them? Do you feel less confident about them this season compared to last? Yes, only because the games that I've watched them, the lack of three-point consistency does seem to be affecting them, especially against the better teams. Yeah, yeah I've seen it against the Celtics. I've seen it against some of the top teams in the Western Conference. When they're in tight games and they need some three-point shots to go down, it's just not there, and that's that's leading to losses for this team. And that's something we didn't really see before. Even before when Milton was out, you didn't think about, about it as much as, as it's being highlighted this year, but like you said, they're still their top five and three pointers made and three pointers attempted. They're just seventeenth in percentage. That's an issue. But can Milton get back to health? That's that's the big question. That really do it does change it. I don't think it's a biggest turn as everyone kind of thought of it as last year. Everyone was basically like Milton's healthy. The Bucks win the win the championship last year. That's that's everyone saw. I don't think it's it's quite. At that level this year, looking looking at the at looking at this team, even though we haven't really got to see Middleton yet, he's only played I think nine games, and Giannis has missed some games, and he's still playing like the best the best damn player in the league. But I don't think team just doesn't feel quite at that level. But at the same time, they're kind of in that mold where you think their best form will only come post All Star break. Yeah, I think they know how to pace themselves as well. I mean, this looks like a team that that knows how to pace themselves. And I think we've already talked about Brooke, but Brooke being healthy is probably one of the biggest things uh, that they can be happy about. Drew Holiday actually shooting decent from three this year's that's mm-hmm. that's a good sign. Um, 
and I'm just not worried about them. You know, I, I the only thing I'm worried about is is if Bobby Portis is not healthy, and Chris Middleton is still getting his shot back. I mean that that is definitely gonna be a problem. They don't have enough uh, wing shooting on this team, and I think they they haven't given really a chance to to Bochamp either. I, I think this is a guy that you that you drafted and the whole team was high on. And he's a guy that proves it when he gets time on the floor that he is a productive player. Like they they need to mix things up too and experiment if he's a guy that can that can get in there. But you know they've they've never been a I think like a fearsome three point shooting team. Yeah, Giannis is creating when, looks. When, when, when the way Giannis plays and the way the team, obviously team is built to play around Giannis, they shoot the three when they feel they need to. They feel that they always feel in, in control in that. So I let them, but they also, they're, they're guys that are the shooters aren't showing it as well this year. Like Pat Connaughton, he, he, he's not, he's completely lost. Uh, feels like he's completely lost his touch this year. Portis's percentage had been going down and now he's going to be out yeah. injured. Hopefully he's not out for too long, and when he gets back, he can get it. He can get that going again. But it's been interesting the way it's kind of gone for them. They've gone from the fourteenth uh, best defense in the league last year. Now they're fifth this this year so far. But they were third in offensive rating last year. This year they're twenty third. The they're eighteenth in points per game last year. They were third. That's where you kind of think that's not really slowing down. That's kind of a, a pretty decent sized swing in in the way that this team is playing. Is it just all down to Chris Middleton not being there? I, I, I think, don't know. I think that that has a lot to do with it. You you, you watch a box game and sometimes it's kind of messy. Like there, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of flow because when you when you have don't have Giannis out there and you have Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is is a great point guard. And he's not a shot creator and they don't have a shot creator on the floor. There's no one out there that you can hand the ball to and say, go get a bucket, go create something. Um, Drew holiday looks great alongside a guy like Chris Milton, because he can do that. And there's so much, there's so much they can do between those two guys when Giannis isn't on the floor. But I think this season, what explains that is how they've changed uh, their focus defensively. And they continue to be a very, good three-point defending team. Um, and if they – I think that that's probably just something that they switched up this season. It's just a new point of emphasis. Um, and also when you have Brooke Lopez looking this healthy, uh, defending the rim, like they're going to be a top-five defense throughout the rest of the year with him there, with Giannis, and with all of their focus now on trying to get rid of all the threes. And just give time. Just give time to Chris Middleton. Like that – that's what it comes down to for this team is if Chris Middleton is healthy and he is able to get back to his form last year, the season before that, like they, I can't wait to see that matchup between them and Celtics. So I think Tatum's learned a lot from last season. You've seen him level up this season. You've seen his patience this year really step up. And I think he's going to face this team in a very different way than he did last year. But I don't, I don't think they've taken a step back. I'm not, I'm not worried about them for the rest of the season. I suppose if you're if you're uh, stopping your your opponent from making threes like the books are doing, they don't need to make as many themselves. I suppose you could uh, you could uh, <laughs> yeah, you could also exactly the, the math math. You could also look, look at it uh, look at it that way. But uh, 
the final team then that it's the current number two seed in the Eastern Conference. My pick at the start of the year to win it all. The Philadelphia 76ers. They are playing their best basketball. And I, I, I don't know how long. Definitely their best basketball under Doc Rivers. And it's it's the full team. They're, it's not just the, the superstars paving the way. They are getting a lot from the bench. They're getting a lot from other guys within their starting five. But it helps when you've got arguably the best pa- uh, playmaker point guard in, in the league and uh, and the best scorer, dominant big man. It, it, that, that helps too. Yeah, shooting luck helps too. Shooting thirty nine percent from three this month, they're shooting thirty four attempts from three, shooting fifty percent from the field as a team. Like they're on just an absolute shooting tear uh, right now. So I I think I think it's reflective of an easier schedule. Convince me maybe not, but you know, facing the Pistons twice and barely beating the Lakers, losing to the Thunder. Facing the Blazers, they did have a good win over the Kings. I mean, that was that was an absolute shootout. Um, that was no Embiid, no Harden as well. This is true, but I don't know. Convince me. I have, it's so hard every because I feel like the 76ers always have a moment in the regular season, and they're just one of those teams now where I'm just like, okay, can I can I see it in the in the playoffs? Can I see it then? Because it's well, have we seen anything different from this team that they've they've grown? That they're playing differently, that they're playing good defense. I mean, they're they're they are they are a tough they are a top ten defense. I think the way I think it's been exaggerated. Uh, PJ Tucker's impact. Uh, people are going way in on him because of all the games where he's had. He's gone like triple zero. He's gone like zero point zero zero rebounds, zero assists. He he he's had a he had a few games or in and around that, and people are kind of saying, ah, oh, like he's nothing but. You have to think that he's having a pretty positive impact on this defense. It's not just Embiid and, and Harris that are keeping this together because Harris has obviously played 46 games but and Tucker's played 42, but Embiid has missed plenty of games. So there has to be more that he's bringing on the defensive end, even if it's just getting more out of his fellow players and teaching like the likes of... Uh, of Maxi and maybe even Harden the the drive they need to have to be re- a really top level competitive team because they're they're doing it on both ends of the floor. The defense is better than expected when you've got a guy like Harden and you can argue even Maxi as well, and you can still be a top ten defense. But the offense is really where it's happening. This is what we we thought we were going to see when they acquired James Harden. They have won 19 of their last 23 games, the, the 76ers. They are on, they have an offensive rating of 121.2 in that span. This is their best run since they were the defending champions back in, uh, in 1984. It's, it all feels like it's coming together. And like I said before, it, it's not just the stars. They're getting a lot out of, George Niang, uh, Milton's averaging 10 points off the bench. Milton's are averaging 11 points. Since Maxi has come back in, he, he's looking great. They've got five players 
shooting above 30% or above on three, and they're all making at least two a game. Then you've got the big dog, Joel Embiid, right up there, top top two in, in scoring in the entire league. He looks so dominant whenever he plays. And you kind of think if this defense can hold up, what it, what's stopping this Philly team? Like they, they feel like in my head, they kind of have the perfect makeup of a team if the defense can hold up because they've got the dominant superstar, Joel Embiid, the big man, can do whatever his team needs him to do to win a game. Then you've got an elite playmaker who's back shooting the three well, who can score when he needs it in James Harden. And then you've got that spark plug scorer, Tyrese Maxey. And when the shooting's there, it just feels like the defense is the main thing. Can PJ Tucker get back to that level or is he really passive? Can he be back to that absolute terrier bulldog as they get closer to playoff time? Can Tobias Harris continue his form? But it all just feels like it's coming together. The the process, the famous Philadelphia process, (laughs) it feels like it's in the best place it has been. But it's all going to come down to is Joel Embiid going to be healthy when they get to the playoffs? Yeah. That's it. That's nope. how it is. And the way they're playing the last 23 games and that in this stretch is, is definitely, it's amazing. And I love that Harris can just like can sneak by and just average 16 points in that stretch and everything's fine because Max is going to score and Harden's at finally shooting efficiently. And you actually feel a little bit more confident about the shots he's taking. Um, I, I do want to see this in playoffs. I do want to see this in playoffs because this is this is what we what we expect from this team, but I think at this point there's just so much. I just have so much trauma trusting them. It's it just it comes and goes at times, and to see them pick it up on the the defensive end would be great because I mean in this stretch in January I mean they're they have a defense rating of one nineteen, and they're they're doing that against bad teams where they're winning shootouts, which is fine. But I think to see the consistency defensively across the year, it's important. But I, I believe I believe in Joel Embiid. I, I know you do. And I know this is exciting for you. So I'll I'll have a little bit I'll have a little bit of reservations until the playoff time. But I think the main thing that probably makes me the most concerned about this team is just just Harden. It's, can can I see it in the playoffs? Because I, I think that's where when you're comparing great players, when you're thinking, all right, who's going to step up in this series? Is it going to be Giannis? Is it going to be Embiid? Is it going to be Tatum? And then you look at their number twos. Is it going to be Jalen Brown? Is it going to be Chris Middleton? Drew Holiday? Kyrie? And I'm still just struggling to find the confidence to trust and Harden, and we'll just have to see when that when that moment comes. We'll have to see. And what is it? A combination of his defensive frailties and his just just his general reputation of not being the same elite offensive player in playoff time, or is it a question of maybe he's just not quite at that level that he that he once was offensively? I think. I think it's the it's the fourth quarter scoring in the playoffs. It's it's deferring. It's not being as aggressive 
to score when you need him to. And it is the defense. It's it's the fact that he is not offering a lot out there. And Maxi is playing. I mean, when, when it really matters, I mean, Maxi's not a bad defender. I think he, he gives a lot of effort there. He does stay out in front. He's just too small to necessarily make an impact when you're facing much bigger team, like when you're facing a Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday, when you're looking at the Bucks, you're looking at Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon. So he's undersized. So when you when you're gonna be facing these uh these playoff opponents, if we're just thinking about, you know, the top Eastern teams, like James Harden is going to have to pull his weight. And in the Eastern Conference, these best teams, like these guys are two way players. It'll it's gonna come down to the little things. And if Harden's also not being aggressive on the offensive end, like you need him to, like they're just not gonna have the edge. And that that's what I'm worried about. Like this looks great in the in the middle of January, right before All Star break, but what is it going to look like in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's that's totally fair, and I, I, I almost hope we get to see the the real answer to that question, and it's not a question of Harden having to be Houston Rockets James Harden because Embiid is not at a hundred percent. That's what I that's what I really hope is is the way that it is. We get to see an honest answer. To your question here about James Harden's ability to to step up as the two star in, in the playoffs, and but the the main thing in my head is still, can Joel Embiid be one hundred percent healthy in a playoff run with this with this seventy sixers team? Because you say J, Joel Embiid's prime years have been the last the last three four seasons. Last year, obviously, he had it. He had his uh, his health issues. the The year before, the team just wasn't that that good. Now, kind of all the tools feel they're there. It's just, can he stay healthy? He's got to be a guy with a ginormous chip on his shoulder to really show up in the playoffs this year. I I I think that he has that. Can the health stand up? Please, God, let it let it happen. Because I I I need to see it. I need to see Joel Embiid hundred percent healthy, going toe to toe with the best in the playoffs. Well, hopefully we'll see that this Saturday. We're gonna be uh, looking at Jokic and Embiid, um, <laughs> the matchup of two potential MVPs, two of the best centers in the league, two of the best centers in the past couple of decades, and I, I think that'll be a fun matchup to kind of wrap up two teams that we've been focusing in on uh, this month and definitely look forward to that. And I look forward to the, these teams. I think the Cavs deserve to be in this conversation. They're still right on that cusp. Evan Mobley put in a big game uh, the other week, but the East is still packed. The East is still tough at the top. Um, and it's kind of a, a crapshoot the rest of the way down. We won't even talk about glad we didn't have to talk about the Bulls today. I think actually the Knicks, you know, besides that little, that Raptors hiccup, they've, they've had their moments. But no, it's, it's definitely fun to, to look at these teams and just picture what the end of the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to look like because the top is packed. It's going to be tough. The top is packed. We're going to have to see surprises. We're going to have to see teams that believe that they are title competitors meeting earlier in the in the playoffs than they uh, than they would have expected. But that's why. That's why we love the NBA. That's why the East is so good this year. And that's why the NBA as a whole is so good this year. And and Chris mentioned that game, Denver against 
Philly, we are going to watch that game together. We are going to do an instant report on that game. We've talked up Denver. We've talked up Philly here. We're going to see those two go go toe-to-toe on Saturday. We're going to do going to do our review. We're going to see what we learn from that game, what we see from, from Jokic, what we see from Embiid, what we see from these two teams as a whole. We'll have that out for you on Saturday. But for tonight, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. My thanks to Chris for joining me. I am Ronan Gain. Thank you all so much for listening. Glad you stuck with us. And please remember, you like what you're seeing, you like what you're hearing, follow, subscribe. Give us that motivation to keep making this great content. We need it. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.